Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first. On, On Second, Second Thought. Thought, episode 220, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. Drink them if you got them. I'm, no judgment here. My name's Cedric Golden. I'm joined by the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Duck, it took 220 episodes, but we got one of our favorite college baseball coaches to join us on our little podcast. TCU coach Jim Schlossnagel is on the line. The Horn Frogs lead the Big 12, and they host the Texas Longhorns, one of the biggest baseball series in the country. Three games set on Friday in Fort Worth Lupton Stadium, 7.30 p.m. first pitch on Friday at ES- on ESPNU. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to a great weekend. Yeah, is the weather going to cooperate? Knock on wood, I believe so. It's certainly going to be better than uh, what you guys dealt with last week with Tech, and uh, we had we had some cold. Well, we had one cold night up in Morgantown, uh, but the rest of it was pretty good. So we're excited. That should be uh, in the 80s, and uh, ho- hopefully not too windy, but we'll see. Nice, nice. Well, said you'll like this. Uh, Jim, you remember uh, on our season opening conference call uh, for the Big 12 coaches, the preseason call, do you remember the question I asked you? Um, yeah, did you um, pretty, probably ask me about the series? No, I asked you about the all-conference team. The, all, the all-conference team, that's right. The preseason team, Cedric, had zero, count them, zero TCU Horn Frogs. And here they are in May at the top of the standings. It's so, just so great that, that, that the people that choose those teams are so on top of it. <laughs> I mean, thoroughly researched and just know, right. almost like Nostradamus, what was going to happen in yeah. the 12. It's just, uh, it, I'm sure that warmed your heart, Coach. Yeah. Uh, well, you mean to, to uh, honestly, you know, given the pandemic last year and the fact that, if you went position by position, um, we haven't, you know, and, and I said this to Kirk on that call, we, we have an older team, <clears throat> but we don't have a very experienced team because we have, you know, we have transfers, um, our entire weekend rotation that'll pitch this weekend, Russell Smith, Austin Krobe, and Johnny Ray going into the season had a combined one big 12 start. So uh, it, again, if you went position by position, uh, I felt with the exception of maybe Halen, Halen Green, a relief pitcher, I, I felt like that was that was probably accurate. But uh, I would also be lying if I didn't say it was you know, motivation for some of our players. And um, we've had some guys have some really good seasons and we've had three freshmen really play well. And certainly nobody knew about them. So um, we'll see how the season plays out. But 
I'm anticipating a few horn frogs being on the postseason list. <laughs> I, so. I love to hear that. Uh, how much attention do these kids pay to these preseason teams? Because it can be such a crapshoot, Jim. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think kids are, you know, kids are kids. They they uh, take a look at that stuff. It's all over social media. Um, but I think they know at the end of the day, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't carry any weight. Um, just like a preseason ranking. So um, it's, it's all about how you play throughout the course of the season. And um, I, I'm pretty sure, at least I hope, uh, that, you know, our guys would much rather end up in Omaha and be playing there than worry about a, some individual things. When, as we always say, you know, when the team goals get met, individual goals get met. And, and you put those for first and everything else take care of itself. Well, TCU sitting there at 33-10 and 10 on the year third in the nation, 15 and three in the big 12. Has it, has it come together like you thought it would in your best case scenario, Jim? Well, I'm a pitching guy. So in my most best case scenario, uh, our starting pitching would ha- have been to this point, a little more consistent pitch deeper into games. Uh, it's with this COVID roster. I mean, we don't normally carry more than, 14 or 15 pitchers on a team and we've used 19 pitchers this year. Wow. Wow. And that's ugly. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's because we've, the starting pitching hasn't been, <clears throat> for example, you know, Texas really can count on a lot of out of Ty Madden and, and uh, uh, the guy that pitches on the, the second guy's pitches on Saturday. Tr- Tristan, Tristan Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. Tristan Stevens, who's been such a great strike thrower. Right for Coach Pierce and and even Hanson, uh, who I know I'm sure will be in the weekend rotation this weekend. Yes. Those, those guys have been super consistent in terms of throwing strikes and pitching <clears throat> relatively deep in the games. We haven't had that as consistently. Therefore, we've had to try to figure out a bullpen uh, minus Charles King and Halen Green with, of a bunch of new pitchers. And so we've spent the whole season, I think, what basketball coaches call shortening your bench, trying to figure out what those eight to 10 pitchers are going to be. And, and I, and I believe we found that uh, now here at the end, and that's why we've pitched better, but I guess, you know, the story of our team would be that. And then the the fact that we, you know, we've really played good team offense and, and that's what's, you know, propelled us to this point, but we all know, and you guys have been around, you know, baseball as long or longer than me, you know, to me, the game begins and ends with starting pitching. And when you're, when you're facing a Ty Madden or when you're in a super regional against or regional against somebody, you're not, <clears throat> you don't really bang your way to Omaha. And, uh, and so you better be able to match up on the mound. So that's what we need to continue to be, to, to improve at. I um, uh, took a look at your, at your stats and uh, Johnny Ray, your sophomore right-hander. Um, he was Friday starter uh, last year before the pandemic hit. Uh, he's taken some. He took some lumps early in conference play, uh, but but he rallied nicely. Um, I know he's got ten starts, four point nine three RA. I know that's not your standard. Um, how concerned are you about that 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 third spot? Because um, you know when I covered Texas baseball, Augie Garrido always said in a tournament situation, you want four starting pitchers because you just never know. So how how big a concern is that? Uh, that third spot and the depth on your starting pitching. Yeah. I mean, it's a real concern. There's no doubt about it. The third end, we, we haven't even really established a fourth guy all year. 
Um, I think we've done a nice job of piecing it together. A, a freshman named Luke Savage has really come on in the last three weeks, a guy that we were playing on red shirting. And uh, anyway, uh, Johnny, uh, he, he started the season as our Friday night guy too. He opened up in the Rangers stadium against Ole Miss. Uh, and then he hit a two, two week, he had a, got hit with a COVID protocol contact tracing thing. And that, you know, hit that really kind of was a bump in the road for him. And now he's uh, just trying to, you know, he's trying to just be more consistent. He's a guy that'll, he'll flash brilliance for, for a certain stretch. And then he'll, you know, be inconsistent and give you, it's the free base runners. If you're looking at the stats, he's probably got 24 or 25 walks. And, you know, that's just not <clears throat> what anything that we're about. And he knows that. And, uh, but I do think that just like the most of our Omaha teams are, you know, you, you, uh, we've pitched well down the stretch. I mean, Brian Howard was a really great pitcher for us and his nickname on ESPN in Omaha in 2016 and 17 was big game Howie. And that's because his ERA was always in the high threes or fours. And then the last five or six starts of the season, you know, at A&M or, or uh, in the college world series against, you know, um, coastal Carolina. I mean, he was, he, that's when he was at his best. So that's what we're counting on, but I mean, you've nailed it. That's, that's, that's what our concern is. And if I was the Texas coaching staff, that's what I would be telling our team that, you know, these guys are, these guys are meant to be had and we're we're just going to have to play our best. I like the fact that you say you're pretty good on offense. Yeah. 302 as a team batting average, 17th in the nation, uh, 360 runs, which is the tops in the nation. Uh, 51 homers, uh, all kind of paced by uh, your star Philip Sykes in the outfield, hitting 377 with 50 RBIs. Uh, I think Philip Sykes might be on that all-conference team. Just yeah. a guess, just a hunch. Yeah, I mean, he should be in the running for player. You know, one of the players. And there's a lot of great players in our league. And right. I know Melendez is having a great season for them uh, for Texas, but uh, he should be in the running for Player of the Year for sure. But yeah, Bill Moziello, our third base coach, runs our offense and. And he's just does, has done an awesome job. And it's really an interesting mix. We loved our team last year and we have the entire team back. We have eight seniors, five guys in their sixth year of college, three wow. guys in their three guys in their fifth year of college. Wow. Uh, we, had, we had a guy turn 25 last Wednesday. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, I've coached against BYU a lot, but I've never felt <laughs> like I've coached at BYU. <laughs> Is that oh, guy a player? Is he a player, the 25-year-old? Yeah, Gene Wood. Yeah, he was a grad, oh, yeah. tra- grad transfer from Alabama last year. And yeah, he, was al- he was already in his fifth year. So we have five guys that are in their sixth year of college. So oh, my point, but going back to the kind of the underlying theme of our team <laughs> is that we loved our team coming back. And then we have these three freshmen that we knew at the end of fall practice that these guys are really good players. And we- they need to play not just to make our team better, but – for the future of our program. So it's an interesting mix. You know, you have an 18 year old followed by a 25 year old in the lineup. So <laughs> like a major uh, league baseball team. That yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like a Bobby prospect Sun game. It's like a prospect coming through triple a and you got the old guy <laughs> who's, who's winding down and the young, the young buck who's, who's coming on his way up. Well, talk about your other two freshmen. You mentioned Luke Savage. Talk about the, the three of them, what they've done for your team. Yeah, you know, uh, the three position players, Elijah Nunez, Luke Boyers, and Braden Taylor. Um, those guys have just been great for us. Um, you know, they've had their moments, and and they've been tested just like everybody else. 
but Nunez, I think, is there were times where I think he was leading the country in walks. His batting average isn't great, but he leads off for us. His on-base on percentage is outstanding. And he he's one of those guys that he takes pride in being exactly that. You know, he's a lot of times some a young player who's not very big, uh, he he's not he's not self-aware enough to know who he is. Like I think Hodo for Texas knows who he is. His job, he can run, he can get on base, he can steal bases, and and Nunez. Uh, knows who he is, so he doesn't try to play big as a little guy. Um, Luke Boyers is a you know really was a really good five A quarterback at Bernie High School and supreme athlete. hasn't played nearly as much baseball as other people, but he's a switch hitter, real twitchy athlete. Um, you could see him playing like strong safety on a football team, and and he's just getting 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 better as the season goes on and, and plays more plays more than Braden Taylor. Is, uh, is really interesting because he's from Utah, wasn't highly recruited. Bill Moziello watched him play in Arizona for a couple weeks and and um, loved him. And he's kind of your sweet swinging left, left-handed hitter, can play all three spots in the infield. Um, we, didn't, we didn't see the power that he's had this year uh, in fall practice, but he's kind of he's learned how to manipulate the bat when he gets in a leverage count to be able to you know, drive the baseball and the strikeout numbers have gotten higher, but you'll trade it, I guess, for the power uh, at certain times. And so there, those are three guys that are going to be kind of the guys we build around for, for the future. The one, the one thing that I like um, when you mentioned the seniors, and uh, hopefully mm-hmm. I have to go on a Mormon mission trip after uh, the season's over, uh, mm-hmm. BYU thing. But um, five times in the College World Series since 2017, and the – these guys, um, these guys are, are are looking for a. I mean, five times since 2014. These got these guys know what it's like to get the home all, just like Texas Tech. Some of their guys do. Um, one of the Texas players, um, I believe, it was Trey Faulting, the shortstop, said that Texas is where Texas wants to be. They want to get the Omaha like Tech does, like TCU does. Um, how much is that experience? help out, especially you had these young guys coming back from a pandemic. How does it help to have those older guys that kind of can pave the way and let them know, you know, there is a light at the end of this tunnel? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's enormous. I mean, I, I, I told our freshmen in the fall, I said, you guys don't have any idea how fortunate you are to have the resources of these older players. Um, because, you know, any really good team, uh, you know, we call it like coach fed, but player led. So, you know, the, um, Zach Humphreys, Halen Green, Charles King, those guys play were part of that 2017 team. And I can just, you know, Hey, if, if, eventually you get tired of hearing your dad talk, eventually you get tired <laughs> of hearing, hearing the head coach talk. But when, so when you have those guys say, Hey man, here's why he's going crazy over how we played against on, you know, whoever on Tuesday night, or here's why, you know, because at the end of the day, every single game has value, you know, and and um, and then when you get in those postseason games that you can even lean on those guys more and say, hey, nothing needs to change. Or, or when you get in like a series this weekend, you know, this weekend is going to be as covid packed as as we can possibly make it in, Love it. in, in Fort Worth. And um, it's going to be the atmosphere that we've all missed. Uh, because of COVID last year or whatever. And so, you know, 
those older guys can just say nothing changes. You just enjoy it for what it is and, and you play and hearing that from a teammate versus hearing it from the coach who talks all the time uh, is, is obviously has way more value, way more weight. So um, we're fortunate to have, you know, those, all of the seniors, but especially those three. Well, I know, as, as Sid said, you've been there uh, five times. Uh, and, and 2017 was the last time. I know you get used to that, and I know you're itching to get back. And when you've gotten there, y'all have tasted success. You know, y'all went two games to three games. So y'all stick around when you go. Yeah, man, we've been, you know, we've been uh, of the five times, I think we've been a, a win away from the championship series. 2016 was the toughest one. We're sitting there in the driver's seat and we have to win one game and Coastal Carolina has to win three. Yep. And uh, you got to give them credit, man. They, you know, they won the games. They beat our, they beat our best pitching um, and then they ended up winning the national championship. So, and then the same thing, you know, Vanderbilt kept us from playing in the title, uh, Florida. We had Florida, we had to beat Florida twice. We beat them the first time. Um, so it's just, you know, I mean, it's tournament baseball and, and yeah. uh, you keep knocking on that door and hopefully, uh, you know, we can turn the corner at some point uh, soon. What worries you about these Longhorns? They Tech got after them this weekend and uh, Tech Texas was able to find some offense on Sunday uh, to win 11-3. But what, what really, if I mean, what really scares you about them? What's your biggest uh, concern? I mean, number one, obviously their pitching is just going to smother you. Uh, I was kind of hoping Hanson wouldn't figure it out too quick <laughs> enough to get on the weekend. Um, you, know, you know, the one thing about, you know, the one thing about ESPN Plus and the Longhorn Network, you know, is, you, you know, you, I get to watch a lot of games. I mean, I don't have much of a life. I don't play golf or do much. So well, I go home and watch games. And so I've watched a, lot, a ton of baseball this year. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Witt has had such a – he's been such – he's kind of most valuable pitcher, I think, for them. He can pitch in any role and gives them length out of the bullpen. And Quintanilla is now throwing strikes. And so, um, you know, that, that would be the first thing is that they're just going to – they're going to smother you with power, mainly right-handed pitching. And then Hanson has really figured out uh, his season uh, here at the tail end, tail end of the year. And then offensively, obviously, you know, they have, the, they have a good – they're very similar to us in that there's a very good mix of speed – they bunt more than we do, um, but they, they have a very good mix of speed. And then those bangers there in the middle of the order with Zubia and uh, Melendez and Cam Williams. And, and so it's a very, you know, very good lineup. The, the key against Texas to me always has been, even when, when all he was there, and, and this is really against any good offenses, you, you got to get the leadoff hitter out. Um, because then if you don't, then you're dealing with, Eric Kennedy and how he handles the bat and you're dealing with Hodo and how he handles the bat. And you, and before you know it, you're worried about getting an out on a bunt and you make a bad pitch and somebody hits a three run homer. So that's, you know, the, the challenge is just going to be for us is we have to match their starting pitching. We're going to throw a lot of strikes when they bunt, just get an out, um, just make sure we get it out. And if you do that, then you don't lead normally to two big you know innings. And then we'll just have to try and compete with them offensively. Well, you know the value of free passes. I think y'all had 11 in game two up at uh, Morgantown to beat West Virginia. So those always come back to haunt you. As long as you've been in the league at around college baseball, does Ty Madden remind you of anybody? 
You know, he's he's got a real compact delivery and knows what he wants to do and pitches within himself and all that stuff with great pop. Anybody that, that you would compare him to, Jim? Well, I mean, the pitchers, that those right-handers that they had on the um, 2010 team, uh, Taylor Youngman, uh, oh, wow. Workman. Right. Uh, you know, Cole Green was different arm slot, but – uh, he reminds me of LSU had a guy that went in the first round named Alex Lang, mm-hmm. um, who has just really good down angle fastball, high velocity and real short, firm breaking ball. And and that's what uh, Ty does. The difference with Ty versus Lang is Madden really throws his a lot for strikes. And Lang, he, he was a guy that if you didn't chase it, then he didn't throw it in the strike zone a lot. And at least against us and when we watched him. But Ty just really sticks that breaking ball. So yeah, the, the fastball is electric, um, but you know, his ability to stick his breaking ball on any count versus right and left-handers. And then, you know, if you're the Friday night pitcher at the university of Texas and you've been doing that for two years, I mean, just your confidence, your swagger, your, you know, he, he understands the weight of that. Uh, I'm guessing I've never met him, um, mm. but uh, he's just, you know, he's, he's your typical big Texas right-hander that's going to pitch in this game for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm hoping he has some dishpan hands this weekend and <laughs> maybe that blister will pop, but we'll oh, see. Man. I'm, kidding. I, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, I don't wish bad on, on any player. We'd... No, but that that's the most baseball thing to say. Baseball people talk like that. They're uh, looking for that little edge. Don't want to, don't want him to be permanently hurt, but it's a little tweak here and there. I, I mean, I truly think the be- and I've told Del Conte this, I think the best thing for the university of Texas is Ty needs to take the weekend off, get that thing healed up, and just be be ready for the postseason. He does not need to pitch. I'm sure you have his best interest. Did Del Conte have a comeback from that? Oh, he's he's the biggest sandbagger on the planet. So, um, oh, you're killing me! You're killing me! Oh yeah, I know. Uh, we're just trying to get along down here. Yeah, we're having a tough time. We, we, we're just going to try to hang in there with you guys. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it on, on, on the penny budget that they got going on. Exactly, exactly. Hey, I got one question. I was looking at your schedule. March 14th, y'all lost two out of three to Gonzaga. You're 10-6 and six on the season, and you're outscored 30-16 to 16 in that series. You're, since then, you're 23-4. and 23-4. and four since mid-March, and two of those four losses are to Texas Tech, which Texas can identify with. Did anything change? <clears throat> Did you give the pep talk of all pep talks? Did you make any lineup changes or anything, Jim? Um, you know, I think uh, there was a stretch there. Well, we had we had some guys out. That was the two-week period where we had Ray and, uh, I believe, and uh, Marcelo Perez, a couple other guys weren't uh, in the bullpen weren't available. Okay. Uh, Gonzaga, by the way, is really good. The two of the best teams we've played all season are Liberty and Gonzaga. And you can look at the RPI and it'll tell you, it'll tell you that, um, we went to Louisiana Lafayette and, uh, they beat us pretty good on a Friday on Friday night. And the guy that pitched against us used to pitch here. Um, and, uh, he tr- went to a junior college, got better. And he's, he's, he may be the pitcher of the year in the Sun Belt named Eric Getty. And we did have a meeting that night and I got into the team pretty good about a few things and just walked out. And, but then the, but then those seniors I'm talking about, they, you know, they kind of, 
supposedly took over. And so I think if you talk to the players, I mean, the teams that meet the most are the teams that probably lose the most games. So meetings, I think, meetings, I think are overrated, but, yeah. some, but sometimes if the players are involved themselves and I wasn't in there when the players met, um, they can have an impact. And we won the next two games, uh, you know, and those, those were two big road wins in a relatively hostile environment, at least COVID hostile. Um, and then we, you know, we've, we, we, we've played pretty well since and, and gotten some guys healthy. So, um, you know, confidence is a big thing. And, uh, you know, I think when you come to the ballpark and you kind of, and Texas had that in the month of April, when you come to the ballpark and everybody's feeling good about themselves, that can go a long way for a, <clears throat> for a team. Yeah. Well, how many fans are you hoping to get in the stadium this weekend, Jim? <laughs> Five, 10,000? Is that recorded button still on? Um, <laughs> Damn right it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're at 50%, boys. So we'll, uh, <laughs> 50%. Uh, I don't know what the denominator is, right? Um, but we're uh, we're going to have as many per- horn frogs in there as we can possibly uh, legally fit, I guess. So I was I was in Papado's last night and um, you know, they're supposedly at 50%, but uh, for some reason there was a 20 minute wait uh, to get, <laughs> get our seats. So yeah, our yeah. T- so yeah. Kind of like those kind of like the American Airlines flights we've been on where <laughs> You're shoulder to shoulder with a million people, and how is how is that right now? We haven't flown in such a long time. Yeah, how, how how are the the airlines? The lines the are the planes pretty filled up? Yeah. Now we chartered Morgantown, but we flew American uh, to Lubbock, um, and it was packed. So every every commercial flight that we've been on has been absolutely packed. Airports been easy to get around. Uh, but the planes have been packed. So how a baseball stadium can't be wide open relative to an airplane, I don't know. Um, Outdoors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're headed there, and hopefully the the NCAA tournament, you know, I think they've announced 50%. Maybe between now and then that can be loosened up a little bit, College World Series. But it's just, you know, I don't want to be too ungrateful. It's good. It's good to be playing again and, We'll take and, it, man. We'll take and to it. Have, and to have the, you know, the weekend that we're about to have, regardless, I mean, obviously we want to win, and I know Coach Pierce's team wants to win, but just to have this opportunity to get something like this back going in the state uh, is awesome. Speaking of that, is this series critical to both teams hosting or one team hosting a Super Regional? Or do you think both teams possibly could uh be host of a super regional if y'all go that far, both teams. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you look at the eight host, eight, eight uh, super regional things, I think if we're the number two RPI league, then we, our top two teams certainly deserve to be in that, in that mix. And now that's, that's regardless of what happens this weekend, as long as Texas takes care of business down the stretch, we take care of business down the stretch, play good baseball. Um, I mean, you figure out out of the eight, four maybe from the SEC, two from the Big 12. The ACC, Notre Dame's having an awesome season. Uh, they, they're certainly deserving. And then you're one, you know, one from either the West or, or some other uh, team that, that is, has a high RPI and has had a great year. So that's my own personal opinion. Um, yeah. Kirby Holcutt's on the committee, hopefully, and, and I know he'll fight hard for us. Yeah, it's interesting that you and Texas are one and two in the standings, and Tex won four out of six from you two. That 
shows you how top heavy this league is. Yeah, and, and Tech and yeah. Tech did the, and Tech did that without their best pitching. And, right. Uh, you know, some of it will be back and some of it won't. So yeah. and don't for, and don't forget about Oklahoma State. Now they've played the last three weekends without their number one and number three pitcher. And mm. w- if they get those guys back, um, that's a team. I don't know. You know if they'd be in the top eight, but they, they're certainly host worthy and could make big noise in the postseason. Right. Right. Well, hey, are you ready to play our hot corner with us? This is, this, this I have no idea what that is. The but. hot corner is when we have a first guest on, we throw three or four questions at them that are totally unrelated to what they do. And uh, just give us a quick, quick answer on each. Okay. Well, ahead, coach has to play hot corner. So that's yeah, there you go. Okay. So Jim Schlossnagel was not a college baseball coach. What profession would he be in today? Well, I was talked into being a coach because I was originally headed. I was a journalism major headed to be a sports writer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Lord, the, the, the world didn't need another one of those. I can tell you that now. <laughs> Who steered you right is what I want to know. My college coach, Rick Jones. Tell him uh, to give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> he talked. He talk, I actually worked. For, I'll send you some of my uh, I'll send you some of my articles. I started off when I was a sophomore in high school. I was answering the phones. On two, I would play a high school basketball game on a Tuesday and Friday night. Go to the, I was sixteen. Drive to the the Hagerstown Herald Mail, and I would answer the phone as the high school coaches called in the box score and type it up on the what was it called agate or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's exactly. I would type I would type that up the box score, and then they let then they let me start to write the summaries. And then in my senior year of high school, I was covering basketball games, baseball, all that kind of stuff. So, oh my God. You could be over somebody. We, we both had the very same experience. Um, <clears throat> uh, so you, you've been in, you're in charge of movie night and at the Schlossnagels and um, some friends are coming over and you have to figure out three movies to show. What three movies would you show? <sighs> we were talking about this the other day. What, the question was, what movie, when it comes on, no matter how many times you've seen it, can you you have to watch it? Um, I'm going to go Goodwill Hunting. Lovely. Fletch. <laughs> and most people don't know even who Fletch, uh, at least our players don't know Fletch. And I will go uh, my favorite baseball movies for the love of the game. So oh. obviously Augie was a big star With in that. Augie, nice. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's my favorite baseball movie. So I'll go those three. Augie had that great line. What do you say? Wreck it. Wreck it. We're yeah. just so glad you didn't say Shawshank Redemption. Everybody always mentions Shawshank Redemption. We always love that. We always that's our fa- That's my favorite movie. Of oh, all it's, time. yeah. That's that's definitely one I can't turn when I when it comes on. Okay, uh, you're going to a deserted island. You can take only one thing with you, and it cannot be a loved one. So, what item would you take to a deserted island? <laughs> what item would I take? Deserted island. Um, I don't know. This sounds really bad. I guess I'd take my phone. <laughs> yeah, Might so help I, you get off. <laughs> so I could get off as I could, so I could pay attention to, to the scores and, and send, send some good pictures out to everybody that I'm chilling on an Island while y'all are working. So <laughs> last one coach, your celebrity crush, my celebrity crush. Oh, um, well, you can't you can't be fifty years old and like name a girl that's <laughs> like 
29. So, so that's to, so so to to keep that, it that, very uncreepy. Pretend <laughs> you're 25, and who was your celebrity crush? Well, when I was a kid, my my celebrity crush was Jacqueline Smith. Oh, the hottest Charlie's Charlie. Angels. The hot, that the is... hottest, the hottest Charlie's Angel ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, you're so much more mature than me, and because you grow up like I when uh, we're around the same age, so Gilligan's Island was a big deal, and I thought that Ginger was the bomb. Yep. But when I turn like 20 or 21 and, and it comes on and I go, oh, my God, that Marianne was hot. Yeah, <laughs> and, she was. And she there, was no con- there was no contest there, as yeah. it turns out. She just passed away, right, Pam? Yeah, she yeah. did not too long yeah. ago. Well, that's what I got is uh, besides your journalism major, uh, give us one thing about Jim Schlossnagel that people don't know. It could be a favorite food. It could be, oh, my God. You're addicted to pretzels. I don't know. Uh, uh, my one vice is I am a caffeine drink guy. Mm-hmm. Just one sugar-free Red Bull in the morning. I don't. I, I've I've never, I've never, I've never tasted coffee. I've never even tried it. I don't really? like the smell of it. I can't stand coffee-flavored wow. food. Um, <laughs> but I guess I guess you could say that. Or I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty private guy. I don't, I don't do much. I, I don't, I don't play golf. I don't hunt. I like to fish every now and then, mm-hmm. but uh, I really enjoy my job. I think it's a lifestyle, not a profession. So um, pretty boring dude, really. And do you have one skill that people don't know about you? Maybe you're a world-class juggler or a ventriloquist or. <laughs> I can play the, I can play the piano, but only with my right hand. <laughs> I've never had a piano lesson, but I, I played the trumpet through middle school so I can read music wow. and, pl- and play, I guess you would call that the melody, but I can't, I can't play the chords. So it just, I can read the music and figure it out and play it by ear. Um, but just with my right hand. Well, sound like you're halfway there. You could play the organ at the sta- at, at the stadium on Friday uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to knock things off. So yeah, that'd be man, good. It's been fun, Jim. We appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks so- fellas. Good luck to you the rest of the year, and hope uh, we'll all be at Omaha it, in it, a couple it, more months. That's the best place to meet up in the College World Series. So thanks for all you guys do. Appreciate you. Longhorns, Horn Frogs, Friday night, 730 Leptum Stadium, ESPNU. Check it out. Uh, it's going to be a great series, and uh, we appreciate Jim Schlossnagel for joining us. On See you guys. Bye, Jim. See you, buddy. lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. You know, to be able to, to even be considered in the NFL draft is an, an unbelievable blessing and something that I've always dreamed of. Uh, from an emotional standpoint, I'm just so thankful. Um, I know that very few people get to have this opportunity. 
So I told myself going into it that I wouldn't waste you know, any of this opportunity on any negative emotion, uh, regardless of what that looks like. And so I'm just so thankful to, to be in this position to play this great game and um, play at a professional level. I'm super excited to get a chance to continue to learn and play this great game. And um, it's something that you know I'll never take for granted and I can't wait to make the most of it. Doug, great interview with Coach Schlossnagel, but let's move on to football. Big news coming out of the 40 acres. Your Texas Longhorns had five players taken in the uh, NFL draft. None of them went in the first round. That's kind of the, the, the lay of the land now, six straight years without a first rounder. Re, uh, real quickly, Sammy Ellinger went to, to uh, Indianapolis in the sixth round. That's that's the big name. But the earlier draft picks were offensive tackle Sam Cosme to the Washington football team in the second round. Then Joseph Osai, the edge rusher, goes to goes to Cincinnati in the third round. Taquan Graham, a defensive lineman in the fifth round to the Falcons and Caden Stearns, the defensive back to the Broncos in the fifth round. Duck of all of those. The man's voice that you heard entering this segment is really excited about his opportunity. Sam Ellinger to the Colts and Carson Wentz is the starter. The question is for how long because Carson don't stay healthy. He sure didn't in Philadelphia and he's pretty much unproven. I mean, Nick Foles was the one that took that team into the postseason and won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I thought it was just a great landing spot for Sam Ellinger. I mean, he had a hugely productive college career. You know, we talked with our own Cat Vasquez last week that he might not even be drafted because – and that might even be a good thing because you can pick your teams. But I don't know if he would have picked a better team than Indianapolis where he ended up. I really like the look. Um, uh, they have they have a really good offensive line. They don't give up a whole lot of sacks. The Pretty guy nice. playing the the guy that they brought in is not Philip Rivers, uh, who who started um, two hundred and forty straight games uh, in his final uh, fifteen seasons, which is second all time to Brett Favre among quarterbacks. Uh, Carson's anything but an Iron Man, and. If Sam can figure out a way, and that's a big if, Doc. I'm not trying sure. to trying Never. to say Sam's going to go in there and be be a world beater, but if he can figure out a way to to beat out Jacob Eason for that second uh, string role, uh, Jason East Jacob Eason was not impressive in college and did not play a game in the game last season. Uh, Sam Ellinger could be playing some football. He could have some real live game action. As a rookie, he could got a chance to prove himself in the preseason. Probably, uh, you darn sure don't want to waste Carson Wentz in the uh, preseason games. So they didn't play him last year. Yeah. So the the thing is, uh, you know, I think Frank Reich is wedded to Carson Wentz. He went out and got him, so he's going to get. He's going to give him every chance to do the job or fail. But I'm not. I'm not saying Carson yeah. Wentz is going to lose his job to Sam Ellinger. Right. I'm saying Carson Wentz is going to get hurt, and Frank well, we Wright just, can't control that. We just don't know who's going to get hurt. I, you know, I. I we know I Carson Wentz is going to get hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, he's not Carson Wentz. I, I, wrote, I wrote in my nine things 
Indianapolis may even be a great spot for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, it sure sounds like Aaron Rodgers, not to get off the topic too far, but doesn't want to play in Green Bay, and the Colts would be a good spot for him. But I think it's a perfect spot for Sam. He can kind of bide his time. The coaching staff's going to love his work ethic. He's going to bring it every day. He's he's very similar to Colt McCoy. He's going to be heavy into the game prep, and he'll be ready to go. And uh, he might be have a chance as a spot starter. He might be a career backup who makes a whole lot of money. Just like and, Colt did. And saves wear and tear on their body. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Colt, Colt's not Colt's not stumbling around these days. Colt uh, looks good, and Colt's pockets are fat. And isn't it amazing that Sam's the first guy, first Longhorn quarterback drafted since Colt McCoy after old nine? It's it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Well, here's the thing on that, Duck. Um, you're only as good as your quarterback. Sure. There's there's a reason the Texas Longhorns haven't been a serious title contender. Since Colt left, this reason number they one. left on Garrett Gilbert was a bust, and Garrett mm-hmm. Gilbert we thought had potential to be the next great Texas quarterback. It did. It didn't happen that way, and so uh, they've gone through the David Ashes, the Tyrone Swoopses, the Case McCoys, and uh, and then the Sam Ellingers. Uh, and Sammy was a fine college quarterback, but he wasn't on the Colt McCoy Vince Young level. He wasn't nice no. numbers, but he wasn't on that level where you go. This guy is going to lead him to special places. So uh, I'm, I'm very pleased that he's getting a shot. Uh, I wondered if he'd get drafted. I did. We talked about it with Cat right. last week, uh, but he's in a place where if history means anything, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, um, I think that uh, he has a shot. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Uh, and Sam Cosme going in the second round, uh, you know, I think he's got a real chance to to do some damage there. You know, much was made of him being a three-star guy. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't as impressed with Cosme as I thought I was going to be his final season. Uh, so, you know, he's got it to prove too. Joseph Osai going to the Bengals, good spot for him. And, I'm not going to say Joseph Asai is going to be a star because he wasn't a star in college. He only had five sacks, and I think three of those came in Stillwater against the Cowboys. But he's fast. He's athletic. He can run. He really fits the role of uh, uh, NFL linebackers now uh, playing in space. So I think he's going to have a good career. TQ Graham, I don't know, can he be the next Puna Ford, you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't know that he's in that class. Uh, I don't either. I don't either. I agree. Um, but, but you know, Puna's a special, special guy at that size and being able to just win matchups mm-hmm. at 5'11 against guys that's w- much bigger than he is. Uh, he make If he makes, makes the Falcons, I think he'd be a, a really good rotation guy. I don't know that he's a, ten, a five- or six-year starter in this league. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Caden Stearns, fifth round to Denver. I'm sure he was stunned he went that low. But he uh, just didn't play well in three years. I know. His best he, year was his freshman best year was his year. freshman year. So yeah, he, he got was. drafted based on measurables and being a good athlete, not being a great football player. They're hoping yeah. that they could turn that athleticism into into something that's gonna be beneficial on 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 a in a franchise that's known for um, producing really good safeties. 
and he's a tough guy. Uh, he's got to tackle better, you know, and uh, improve his pass coverage as well. So, I don't know. It, it, it kind of shows you where Texas has been when your star quarterback, who's, you know, a top 10 Texas quarterback, goes to the sixth round, and three of your five guys went fifth round or lower. That's not CFP caliber draft showing. And and that's – I don't know if it's – it's not really news to any of us. And and I wrote this week, they probably won't get anybody in the first round next year. You know, I think the earliest could be B. John Robinson and Alfred Collins uh, two years from now. But do you see anybody special enough to be a first-round possibility off this Texas roster next spring? If B – yeah, next spring, oh, oh, B. John's going to be – yeah, he'll be back because he's just a uh, sophomore. So next exactly. spring, oh, man, I'm – duck. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of thin. It's, it's thin. I don't uh, – I don't think so. I don't either. I don't either. But in a couple of years, I like Alfred Collins. Yep. I like Bijan if he stays healthy. The running backs don't always go in the first round they either. They don't unless they're great. Unless yeah. they're great. And right. if he can put up a couple of 1,500-yard seasons, sure. Because mm-hmm. remember, Chuba Hubbard put up massive numbers. He, he didn't he, – he wasn't an early pick. So, you know, I, I, I like Bijan Robinson. Um I don't know that he's a game breaker on that level, but I think he he can really move some chains. He's a power runner. Uh, He's not Derrick Henry, but uh, he has the potential to be uh, a guy that's similar to Derrick. I asked uh, Sark our last get-together with him was uh, how many elite players he had. He kind of danced around that, uh, as did Tom Herman a few years ago. And and that's what they're lacking, elite players when – he said, well, I'm not sure how you define that. Well, part of the definition be, could you start at Alabama? Are you considered a first or second round draft pick potential? That kind of thing? Are, are you a well, different you said, You just should have said, you know, the guys that you start, that you, that you coached at Alabama that are being drafted in the first round. Do you have any of those? <laughs> That's all you had to ask him. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason to dance around it. I mean, these guys mostly are, were four years ago. Let's see. Caden Stearns left early. Sam Cosme left early, right? But Osai Graham and Ellinger were, were Tom Herman guys. And Tom Herman, did, in four seasons, did not produce yeah. a first-round pick. And if Sark doesn't produce first-round picks, yeah. the Longhorns are still going to be uh, a middle-of-the-pack type team, a team that, that might threaten top ten in some seasons but not a true threat to national prominence to the big dogs like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, teams of that ilk. So Tom Herman had some top 10 recruiting classes nationally, but to to be on that Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State level, you got to be top three and put them back to back to back and do it over and over because some of them are going to be bust. Some of them are going to be in the transfer portal. But you've got to just build layer upon layer of depth, and and that's what Sark's uh, responsibility is, and especially offensive defensive line because they really haven't had the difference makers the last ten years at those positions. They might have a player, you know, like a Malcolm Brown or a um, Puna Ford or somebody who turns out to be a really good. Uh, uh, 
player at the NFL level, but you want game changers and difference makers. And, and that's the task that Sarkeesian has moving forward. Well, Doc, that'll do it for episode 220 of On Second Thought. Great show today. Coach Jim Schlossnagel came through and really entertained us. Uh, just appreciate him. We'll do it again next week for the Duck Kirk Bowls. I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.